Uh, hello <laughs> and welcome to the podcast. This is our second series. This is the first of the second series, and that series is... Mad Max. Mad Max. So, audience, I got a question for you. Are you ready to get mad? I'm already mad. Yeah. Um, we uh, we actually scheduled this out just right so that it would be rush hour outside, so you'll be hearing cars driving by throughout this whole episode. Um, and since it is Mad Max, it's thematic, and that is intentional, and it's not just the way things work Hear out. Hear those engines roar. Hear the engines roar. So, let's just dive straight into it. This is Will the... Gibson's in some dumb movies, man. <laughs> Jordan's just been um, scrolling through Mel Gibson's um, filmography, getting hold on, ready hold for on. this. This is the last movie he was in, called The Professor and the Madman. Okay. This is what it's about with Sean Penn. Cover looks awful. Professor James Murray begins compiling words for the first edition of the Oxford English Dictionary. Did you fall asleep yet? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that it's sounds very boring. It's 8.5, though. Really? Let me see the, what year? Or no, no, you tell me what year. Uh, this year. Oh, this year. Is yeah. it out? No, probably not. But it's a biography, drama, mystery, and a thriller. I didn't know the dictionary could be thrilling. Well, they were just trying to put as many words as they could. <laughs> okay, but we're here to talk about Mad Max. We're here to go to one of his first movies ever. Yeah, and this is... um. So this is the podcast where we analyze series, franchises, and we try and we try and see how they progress, and if they're good, if they're bad, and we've done Marvel Phase 1, check that out, we're doing Mad Max now, and this is the first one, so it's a, yeah. it's a level playing field right now. Yes. So this movie... And we, we picked Mad Max oh. 1 because we like the series a lot, uh-huh. um, but I, I it's also... Um, it is, a, it is still action, but it's very different change of pace for Marvel. Mm. Um, even if a lot of you people who are listening to this haven't seen it, it's very accessible, ve- a very interesting watch. Yeah, and one of the reasons I wanted to do it, too, is it's a very untraditional series. Yeah. Um, untraditional. Untraditional? Non-traditional. Non-traditional, yes. It's just very... Uh, each... To me, at least, it feels like each movie completely stands on its own, and yet it does feel like a cohesive series, but it doesn't follow the, oh, well, in this movie, we did this, so the next movie, we have to make sure we pay off that, or it's all like separate adventure. It's kind of Indiana Jonesy in that way, where it just kind of, yes, it's the same character, but it doesn't really have to connect to everything else. Yeah. Um. And I, I also just love, which we'll get more into in the next episode, I love how in this Mad Max, it's in the future, kind of, a little bit. It says a yeah. few years from now. Yeah. And then the next movie starts off with news footage, and it just says there's an oil crisis. It's in the future. Everything is desolate. Everyone's it, it, looking for oil. And then you're like, what? what I is this? I feel like, although that is very drastic, the second movie to the first movie, I feel like in a way the first movie without George Miller probably knowing, kind of set it up because it already... I mean, it's like in the plains of Australia. So mm-hmm. it looks very desolate. Oh, yeah. And there is a part where people are siphoning gas out of a tanker, like, as it's driving. So, like, you can tell that there is... It, everything's like the police station is all in disarray. It's like there's... It looks like there's only five cops left in Australia. Yeah. So... It, it is, I feel like if you think about it, it's not that crazy that it happened right after no. that movie. But yeah, it is pretty drastic. When, so I was actually jumping ahead, even though we haven't watched Mad Max 2 um, yet for this. 
But he, so originally he was just making this movie. Yeah. And then he kind of revisited the idea like a year or two later about making a sequel. So it kind of, it makes me wonder, because this movie, it's a low budget indie movie that they had to shoot. So basically they were forced to shoot in desolate areas because where else can you do stunts where you're not paying fees and whatnot? Right. So it's almost like he thinks about that and then expands upon that. So he... It's one of those. He uses his limitation. He u- yes, exactly. That's what I was gonna say, but in more words and less um, direct. So this movie came out the twelfth of April, nineteen seventy nine, and it is an Australian movie, directed by George Miller and produced by Byron Kennedy, who had his own company, Crossroads, um, and it's uh, Mad Max Films and Crossroads. Um, and then it's distributed by Roadshow Film, and the screenplay is by James McCausland and George Miller. Story by George Miller and Byron Kennedy. Music by Brian May. Cinematography, David Egby, who would go on to do such films as the live-action Scooby-Doo. May he's who? Uh, this is the cinematographer. Oh, okay. C- c- cinematographer, David Egby. the live-action, you said? Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Riddick, Predator. Um, he went on to do actually a lot, and this is um, a classic cult following movie. Yes, although it did it did do very well, so it's not traditional in the sense of say I think for our generation, for a younger generation. Mm-hmm. Well, probably more our parents. Yeah, maybe. Like I don't know. I didn't did not know about this movie until I was in college. I didn't know it mm-hmm. existed. Yeah. Until you told me about it. Yeah, I feel Cute. good about that. Um. But it's not traditional in the sense of, say, a fight club where it didn't do well, and then years later it finds its success. Yeah. It always did well, but it was on a smaller level that it did well. And then the cult following is more that just more and more people started watching it and liking it and enjoying it. So, um, again, this is such a weird and cool series. I'm so excited about this one. Um, Do you? Well, you said you don't like to guess this, but... Do you, you Wasn't know. it only a hundred and something thousand or two hundred and something thousand? The budget? Yeah. Um, you're close. It's three hundred and fifty to four hundred thousand. Yeah. And what's wild is Which listeners for an action movie, even in nineteen seventy nine, that's very cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, something like this, I, I would think you'd want a good ten million. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. Um but it, then it goes on, at least in the U.S. is all I could find. It gets $100 million in the wow. U.S. box office. Wow. So, I mean, big returns. And um, has a mill. <laughs> well, kind of, because he grew up in Australia. Yeah. So he, he was born in New York, moved to Australia when he was 12, and then he was there in Australia. So yeah. he doesn't have like a draw in America or anything. Not yet. That, that's not what you were saying. Or was it what you were saying? No, I'm just saying because Mel's great. Oh yeah, well, yeah, he's great at this current time in history. Yeah, we're in we're talking about then. the 1979 Mel Gibson. <laughs> um, but George Miller was a doctor in Sydney, Australia. Yeah, and he worked in the emergency room, and that's part of where he got some of the inspiration because he would see these horrible accidents and these these horrible uh, victims of those accidents, and he met at that hospital. A filmmaker, Byron Kennedy. Wait, why was he there? Do you know why? Uh, he was working as well. Oh, oh. Okay. And he was at a summer film school in 1971. They produced a movie. I'm, 
think it's like a short mm-hmm. um, called Violence in Cinema Part One. Mm-hmm. And then eight years later, they made Mad Max, and they wanted to make, or George Miller wanted to make a silent movie with sound. Was his kind of thought behind the movie? Interesting. I think I've actually heard that before. Yeah, and I mean, breaking that down, it's it's like I mean, really, you could mute all of the Mad Max movies, and you'd go, okay, I understand. What's There's not a lot on. of dialogue, and mm-hmm. I got to say, when there is dialogue, it wasn't recorded very well. Oh, so yeah. it's, it's pretty hard to hear what they're even saying. When you're watching. These low budget movies, that's the first thing that to go. that you notice is that they they don't have good sound. Yeah. Um and uh he was inspired by Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd. Oh, that makes sense. And wanted the narrative to be simple. Um yeah, but see, so uh Kennedy and Miller did three months of emergency medical calls to help fund the movie while they circulated a forty page presentation to get more money. Wow. Um and then this is very cool. Um, they closed roads without permission of the police. So this is a very guerrilla filmmaking movie. Um, so they closed roads without permission in Melbourne, but then the police became so interested in what they, th- they were doing that they started helping them close roads and helping them get to places. And so the police in Melbourne, Australia, actually... I think like, it's Melbourne. Oh, Melbourne. I think that's how they say it. Okay. Um, but they started helping them make the movie. That's really cool. Yeah. And then um, setting it in the future allowed it to take on more of a fable quality. Um, Yeah. And then they wanted to get an American for the movie, but realized it would take the whole budget. And then there is this story. And it's funny. I was talking to my dad about the movie the other day, and he said, have you heard the story about how Mel Gibson got the part? There's this big story that he comes into the audition, and he's all beaten and bloody. And he had just gotten a big bar fight. And then he does the audition and they're just like blown away because this guy looks so rough and intense. Yeah. That's just not true. <laughs> it's one of those Your things. Your dad told you that was the story? Um. Yeah, yeah. He was about to tell me and I told him, actually, I just found out that that is a common story that people think happened. But um, Matthews and George Miller said, no, it didn't happen. Oh. And Do you think f- people spread that to like create buzz before the movie comes out or something? Maybe. I... I don't get the impression that at, at least George Miller's that kind of guy Yeah, to do that sort of thing. It seems like something where maybe someone heard something about a different actor and then they kind of accidentally switched it or someone thought they heard that, Yeah, you know, because usually those things are born of at least someone believing in it. Yeah. Not just making it up. But yeah. He auditioned normally. Um, and then, so this is something that I don't understand, but I'm going to say it for anyone that might be interested. So Max's car, because this is what the series is, it's all yeah. about cars, is a 1974 Ford Falcon XB sedan. And then when he gets the Pursuit Special at the end of the movie, that was a 1973 Ford XB Falcon GT351, which is the iconic Mad Max car. So I don't know what that means. I mean, I know what it means. You we Google just know it, it goes pictures. vroom, vroom, fast. Vroom, vroom, fast. Um, and I'm almost done here. They couldn't use walkie-talkies while making this movie because it was interfere with the police frequencies. Oh. So I imagine that's a nightmare because they're doing pretty inten- intense stunts in this movie. And so you, I don't know how you would get, hold of, get a hold of people to make sure everything's yeah. in line and okay because you don't have cell phones. Yeah. Um. 
And then when they moved it to America, they had some translation dubs because of the Australian, even though Australians speak English. So there's a handy dandy Australian to American translation. So um, when they said, oi, uh, that became, hey. Wait, Um, they really had to change that. (laughs) Yeah. When they said, see looks, it became, see what I see. Windscreen became windshield. Very toey became super hot. And probby, which is a probationary officer, became rookie. Oh, okay. (laughs) And then originally many critics called it awful due to the violence and a bad story. I saw someone compared it to like Charles Manson or something like that. What? Like like only the fanatics who like Charles Manson would like something that grosses this. I, I understand and maybe kind of agree with this story isn't great. It's you, not. You it's not. Like it's story? not very clear. Well, we'll get into that after. Okay. Okay. Um, my turn. Yeah. Yeah. After yeah. Turn. Jump on it. Yeah. Okay. So George George ugh, George Miller. This is his first movie. Um, other notable things that he's done post Mad Max, besides the um, sequels, mm-hmm. is the Twilight Zone movie in 1983, Lorenzo's Oil in 1992. Oh, Babe. he did. So he did one of the because the Twilight Zone movie was segmented. Yeah. So multiple he did part directors. Of it. He did one of the segments. Yeah. Okay. It didn't say. That I remember. Okay. Um, and then Lorenzo's Oil, Babe, The Pig. Did, did he direct these or was he just directed. involved in writing? Direct. Okay, okay. So he directed Babe. I, Stop questioning me. I did me. not know that. Happy Feet 1 and 2. Heck yeah. And then Fury Road, which is the his last work currently. Mm-hmm. And then Mel Gibson, this is his fourth acting credit. Okay. Um, he Before that, he did... Um, he did, sorry, no, dang it. He did just some like TV stuff in like one movie, okay. which looks very weird. And then um, to, to me, like what was most notable to me post this was like, but he was in a lot of stuff between this and Lethal Weapon, including the sequels. Mm-hmm. But like Lethal Weapon was the next one that jumped out to me. And then Hamlet, which I think is kind of a big movie. Okay. Um, and then Braveheart. Pocahontas, so on and so forth. He just goes, 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 goes. Yeah. He doesn't really ever take a break yeah. from acting. Or even, well, like, mean, then he gets into directing, and then, yeah, he he does a lot. He is a hard worker. Well, only until his controversies with abuse and yeah. whatnot. I mean, he was top of the world A-lister. Yeah. I mean, really, because I grew up, and, you know, Mel Gibson was one of the first actors that I knew who Mel Gibson was. Yeah. And then... um I mean, I'm sure at some point we'll have to cover Lethal Weapon. I mean, I think he's in a couple series that we will probably probably will cover at some point. Yeah, but. he's just just so much stuff. It's insane, and not even like so much stuff. So much stuff, and he's a lead. Oh yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, that is crazy. And then Joe Joanne Samuel is Jesse, his wife, wife okay. girlfriend. I don't really know. It's his wife. Okay. Um, I don't think they specify that in the movie, but. She's in Gallagher's Travel. She's in a lot of TV movies, a lot of TV stuff. Um, she's in the Wiggles movie as Mrs. Bingle. Like, never like never the, saw it. Like the Wiggles, like yeah. the yeah. Oh, potato, potato, like the, the kids show? Yeah. They made a movie? In 1997. Probably a TV movie. So He the, just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the man who plays Toe Cutter, which is the, the main bad guy, yeah. He was born in Kashmir, India, which I think is just cool. Um, yeah. Um, this, this, he's been in some stuff, but 
kind of with a lot of the people in this movie like everyone's australian and a lot Mm. of people it looks like stayed in australia yeah like didn't really go like to america or any or like even england or something a lot of these people are probably friends like a lot of the people don't have speaking roles are probably friends and just stump people yeah so yeah the only and so the guy who plays toe cutter is also and i'm just gonna say the name of the character okay to see if listeners get it okay and if they don't they have to wait until we until we get to it but he also in a very famous movie it plays Immorden Joe. Immorden Joe. And we'll get to that later in a later episode. Okay. Wink, what wink. a what a nice tease. Um, and then the only other person I looked up was Steve Bisley, his um, Mel Gibson's like partner, the blonde guy oh, on the yeah. motorcycle. Goose? And it's just a lot of TV movie. Okay. Cool. A lot of TV Australian movies. Australian TV yeah. movies? And just TV shows in general. Mm. Yeah, because none of them I recognize at all. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... There are a lot of things I don't recognize, but I feel like I would have seen, recognized one or two of the things, but I just assume it was all Australian stuff. Yeah. Or just not American stuff. But okay. that's, those were the big things that I noted. Those are your big ones? Yeah. Um. So here's here's what I want to, when well, before we're getting into the plot of the movie, um, uh, this is a movie called Mad Max. That's awesome. You already, I already love it. Yeah. The bad guy in this movie, his name is Toe Cutter. Guess what? I'm already I already <laughs> love this movie. And then um you throw on top of that that it's going to be char- car chases back when there wasn't CGI. Yes. Oh, there's so many so That's many things big, that, that happen. That is such a big pass from Micah. Yeah. I just had to say that up front. Okay. <laughs> I, I just think it needs to be appreciated. His his full name is um, Max Rockatansky. Yeah, and I think he pronounced it Rockatansky, like very very quick and strange. But uh, are you kidding me? What more could you want from a movie? I guess nothing. Yeah, yeah. I don't want anything else. Um, like like I kind of said earlier, the 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 story itself isn't very good, but I don't care because the the visuals are so interesting and and the acting is still good. The guy who plays Toe Cutter is like genuinely scary. He's good. And all of like his henchmen, it's just like I think we said this while we were watching. It's like we're just watching thirteen Jokers. Yeah, it's just, just creating crazy chaos. Anarchy. And they're just they see something, they want it, they take it. And if that person doesn't want that to be taken, they kill them, they hurt them, they just like play with them, like mm-hmm. a dog playing with a mouse or a cat playing with a mouse. Or a dog playing with a mouse. A dog know. playing with a cat playing with a mouse. Yeah. Um I think uh Oh no. Well, I'll just get into to like So, oh, great thing beginning oh. of the mo- no. Okay. Beginning of the movie. <laughs> um, beginning of the movie. Um, it, it there's this guy called the Night Rider. Who, well, before that, there's a a logo that pops up that's silver and has lightning bolts and says Mad Max. And that's again when I thumbs up gosh. and go unbelievable. Okay, yeah, pretty cool. And then and then it just the movie just starts. There's uh-huh. this guy. He stole a police car. 
with his girlfriend, he's called the Night Rider, and he's talking to all the policemen on the radio, and is just saying how great he is, and all, you can't catch me, and all these things, and all the and police he killed officers. A police officer, as yeah, well. all the police officers are just like spinning out to try and catch up with him, mm-hmm. and every once in a while they would cut to this guy in a car, but they wouldn't show his full face. Ugh. You can tell he's a police officer because he's wearing the same outfit and driving the same car yeah. as everyone else, but like that's it. So this is like a pre- pretty big opening scene. Like uh-huh. it's pretty long, but as everyone's peeling out, when it finally gets back, gets back to that guy that they won't show, who is obviously Max. He doesn't peel out. He just slowly and safely gets onto the road, and then he just takes off. And then he, because because the the night rider kind of is able to evade the other police. Yeah, and the whole time it's cutting back, like you said, to that guy, that guy, Mister Max. And you're just like, oh man, when are they going to show us? When are they going to show us? Yeah. And already, I actually, on rewatching this movie, I'm kind of astounded that this is a first movie. I know. It's I know. Nuts. I know that there's low budget things, but the the movie looks amazing. It's like pretty a highly stylized, breathtaking movie. Yeah. Like, and the shots aren't weird, or the cuts are all good and stuff. It's it's really impressive. Yeah, and and you, I mean, it's. It's hard to make a, I feel like it's hard to make an action movie, period. It's hard to make an action movie as your first movie and to have it make a hundred million dollars. And George Miller just seemed to have understood it. Like yeah. which kind of shots he needed to get and when to do slow motion. Yeah. You know? Well, and that probably comes from the inspiration of the looking at those old silent comedy comedians. Yeah. Because action films to a certain degree need to have an element of at least in my opinion, you sh- a really good action movie should should be able to be played in pretty much anywhere and pretty much any audience can watch it and just be like, okay, I might not have got the specifics of the plot, but I understood what happened and that was cool. Right. Because an action movie, you need to go, that's cool. Right, and they did do a smart thing at the beginning where the guy did steal a police car, but he mm. stole a black police car and everyone else was driving a yellow car. So it was easy to know who was good oh, and yeah. who was bad. That's smart. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. But this person drives through an RV. And the RV like explodes. explodes. But not in a not in a fiery way. It just, it just explodes. Literally someone drove through an RV for this movie and it shreds the RV it's to pieces. It's so cool. It's so cool. Awesome. Yeah. But then the um because as <laughs> soon as movie's so cool. As soon as Max gets involved with this high speed chase, it ends it results in uh, Night Rider's death, mm-hmm. and then of course Night Rider. Hey, there's our pastor, and his family. Hi, Kenner and family. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so Night Rider is part of Toe Cutter's crew. Yeah. So the fact that he was killed, everyone was like, Max, he's coming after you, and this is when it gets unclear to me mm-hmm. because they told Max you need to be careful, but for some reason. They were going after the blonde guy. Uh, and maybe they were going after the blonde guy because well, they knew how to get to Max through no, him. No, yeah, because um, I think there there's a scene where they're out looking for um, uh, someone. It, see, I mean, I agree. Some of the yeah. plot is kind of confusing, but they're looking for someone and Goose, Max's partner, yeah. the blonde-haired guy, he gets that, that one kind of weird 
um, guy takes him back to the police station. And oh, they, that's true. He like tar- puts a target on his back. Yeah, and they yeah. Re- they release him. And then as the as the lawyers are releasing them, he attacks that guy. And he's like, he's my prisoner. You can't take him. Right. And that's when he's marked. So they're both marked, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think, so when he arrests that guy, um, which I for some reason I can't remember. Oh, yeah, it's because Toecutter's crew terrorizes a town very... Um, old western seven mm-hmm. samurai where they they pull up into a town on their horses quote unquote m- their motorcycles and the townspeople are all looking around scared and this couple tries to escape yeah and they get them and then it's implied that they abuse possibly rape both of them um, both of them they're both pretty bloody in areas okay yeah um and then the police officer comes up he sees this woman who's chained to mm-hmm. another guy and the other guy's the bad guy yeah he takes the bad guy and he's just upset, which is kind of nice to see because it looks like the area is kind of lawless and the police don't, they seem like thrill seekers. So it's cool to see that Goose is, he has an emotional attachment. Yeah. Um, And then when, when they're letting him go, the prisoner, the lawyers come in and they have these really bad looking suits and just kind of folders. And I just thought that was kind of an interesting touch. Yeah. Because they're at the Hall of Justice. Which is all, this is like basically a ruin. Yeah, and it, it, I know a lot of it's unintentional world building, but it does, it, the, the things that make it seem post-apocalyptic, which are probably budgetary restraints, do build a lot yeah. in the, into this movie. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, speaking of which, um, I was trying to take note of what things are happening that show that it's in the future. Yeah. Because the first time I watched this movie, I didn't realize it was in the future. Yeah. Now, considering that it was, you know, 20 years after the movie came out. Yeah. But I had forgotten at the beginning that it says a few years from now. But everyone refers to this movie as a futuristic movie. Mm -hmm. But there's not like, you know, it's a dystopian future. It's not like a technology run future. But the things I'm... it's kind of like, it's like... um the best the first thing that came to my mind was looper Mm -hmm. looper is about time travel but like the world that it's set in is definitely the future in a lot of ways yeah but it's not that's not the important part yeah that just is like they chose to set it there what's really in the future is what they're time traveling to Uh does that make sense yeah so i I, yeah i like that it's a lot of great world building instead of like this is this world that's so futuristic that the plot depends on it Mm -hmm. this is like the plot doesn't really depend on it yeah, Does it's just kind of a, it's another character yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, some of the signs are, it's just like the disheveled nature of everything mm-hmm. and all these locations that are desolate. And then there's one thing, the police chief keeps saying that people don't believe in heroes anymore. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of a sign of the, I mean, if the world is breaking down, people are going to not believe in heroes anymore. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a nice, um, a nice addition to the to the uh, dystopian nature of the film. Yeah. Um, and even, I mean, Max isn't really a hero, like traditionally. Mm-mm. He's a hero up to the point that he's a police officer doing his duty, but then his wife has like a run in with these guys and he's like, I quit. I need, he's just like, I'm done with well, this. Let's not get there quite yet. Well, what else is there to well, talk about? Um, there's there's that scene at the beginning when he is 
um, hanging out with his wife mm-hmm. at their house. And there's not much that's said or done, but he kind of gets up and he's like, I got to go to work. And she's like, don't go, please don't go. Yeah. And he goes, I just got to go. But then she gives him sign language for, um, I'm you, crazy about you. I'm crazy about you. And he gets in his car and that to me, as far as action movies go, I love that those quick things where we go, oh, they really love each other. They struggle with work, but she still supports him in that. Yeah. And he's still going to love her and their child. And they just, you know, a minute scene gets us attached to those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, she's very good at acting in this movie. She yeah. She's so good. Yeah. I, yeah. She's a she's a standout in this. Um, And then uh, there is the scene when the guys are terrorizing the town, Toe Cutter's yeah, yeah, crew, yeah. where um, they, they're trying to get the, the uh, they're getting the what is that called the coffin that has the night rider in it yes and um toe cutter is approached by a man and the man says you know what are you doing and he he says uh well i'm or i'm trying to remember there's just a great line uh that sums up toe cutter to me this this bad bad about the dude. guy at the train station yeah and he, he, oh when the guy said like he tells the guy take off your hat do and, this oh and he says and then the guy's like whatever you want he says whatever you say he says anything you say yeah and then toe cutter says anything i say what a wonderful philosophy you have yeah love it yeah and then they drag a man yes on, on, out of town out of town they 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 tie a rope to a man and you can tell it's a real person and they drive a motorcycle with the man on the ground being dragged behind a motorcycle. I don't know how they did that without hurting that man. This movie, uh, it's just crazy. Um, and then, uh, oh yeah, another kind of futuristic, not a futuristic thing, but showing the world is the police. Um, the police sergeant says, so long as the paperwork's clean, you can do whatever you like. Yeah. And he says that to the guys. Right. Um, and then we get to the point where the prisoner that's left from prison is trying to get Goose back. Yeah. And he throws a rock into the air and it smashes into the windshield of Goose's car. The car that he borrows. Remember that? He's he's standing on the hill. He throws a rock and it smashes directly into the windshield in one shot. So they had to actually do that. I don't actually remember that. So I'm totally blanking well, on you that. Well, and, you and I both went, what? Oh, <laughs> And then he pulls over, and then um, uh, Toe Cutter has him burn Goose's body. You don't remember any of that? But there was that one part when Goose was on his motorcycle, They and they did something to his motorcycle that made him spin out. That's right. And, and then, then I guess that's when he gets the car because it ruins his motorcycle. Yeah. He borrows a car from someone, and then they attack him. They burn him. He goes to the hospital. Yeah. And then Max sees him, and he's like, I'm out. Yes, 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 yes. That's it. So then yeah. he takes his wife and his child, and they get out of town. It's mm-hmm. like, we're, we're going on a trip. Yeah. We're getting out of this crazy lawlessness, which the whole thing is everything's pretty lawless. You can't just escape it. Uh-huh. And he still has a target on his back, so they're still looking for him. Mm-hmm. And um, th- this is something that... I didn't oh, actually no, no, no. realize that he had a target on his back until Yeah, because they told it. him that they're coming for him. Yeah. But... This is there was a part before. So when Max turns in his papers and he quits, and the the chief is like trying to convince him to stay, mm-hmm. and he's like, "There no like no means no." Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. um, but 
His, the, she was basically asking like why why are you just quitting all of a sudden and max is like i'm afraid that i'm gonna let let i like it too much like like the thrill uh-huh. and the danger too much and that's something that i don't think they represented very well okay um one namely i don't know i just like he he didn't he hasn't done anything too crazy yet he's done uh-huh. some like chivalrous things he's taken down bad guys he's a good cop but to me, they haven't proven that he is having a hard time, like, not letting his anger get the better of him and, like, hurting people, which is what yeah, he says he's afraid fair. of. Like, he's, but, but what the point he's making is he's afraid that he's not that much different than Toe Cutter and everyone else. Uh-huh. But then you see, through the events of the movie, things that happen in his life that mm. turns him into to being dangerous and venge- vengeful. Yeah, it's like we see it after the fact. Yeah. So I guess they kind of show us. So, sort of, but it's just not great storytelling, I think. Whoa. It's okay, the movie's still great. Yeah. Um. Yes. Sorry, I was trying to look. The sergeant looks like the bald guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark who um, gets blended up into the plane. Is it him? It's not. Okay. Um, but I did hear all that, yeah. But as as yeah, so as the Max and his wife and child are getting out of town, they adopt the cutest one of the cutest dogs I've ever seen. Yeah, I have a note here. It says their dog rules. Period. That's the end of the note. I forgot to put the punctuation, but okay, maybe put it next time. Um. Also, this movie leans pretty heavy on horror. Yeah. Which I you had pointed out about halfway through because of the score. The score is very psycho-ish, where a lot of high violins, intense violins, and then especially there's that scene um, where the wife is in the woods, and the guys are chasing her around, and they shoot it just like a horror movie. And she runs and they kill the dog. They split it in half and hang it from a tree. Which was a real bummer, because that dog was cool. Some yeah. sort of cocker spaniel, I believe. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So before that, they go to a mechanic. They're just on a family vacation. And she says, Max, I'm going to get some ice cream with our son. Who's never a in a baby. car seat, never wearing a seatbelt at any moment in this movie. There's even moments in this movie where the child's not in the scene. And I'm thinking, where's their kid? <laughs> Which obviously, shooting comp, like just the shooting schedule. This is a scene with Mel Gibson and his wife. Which isn't wrong. Uh-huh. But it's so long that it's like, who's taking care of their infant yeah, yeah, son? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the wife tries to get ice cream. She comes across Toe Cutter. She kicks him right in the groin and smashes ice cream in his face because he's harassing her. Mm-hmm. And they take off and they go. And then they go to these old people's house. Now, here is my biggest complaint with the movie. And it is a very small complaint. And I don't even think, I don't like getting hung up on these types of things in movies. But who are those old people? Well, it's one old woman and a, a handicapped man. Yeah. I just assume it's a family friend. That's the only I thing. I just wish one of them said something like, hey, mom, or hey, grandma. Yeah. Because you're just kind of there, and you're, you're just like, well, there's who even, they're in the even world at are these that people? house for a long time, just showing Max, his wife, and his child before they even show anyone else. Yeah. So for a while, you think they're just at a beach house by themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's it is kind of interesting. But I mean, the grandma's pretty cool. She's got a shotgun, and she knows how to use it. <laughs> Well, yeah, and she tries to trap the the guys in the barn, and they which escape. gives them a head start because basically the gang follows or tracks them down. Yeah, 
And um, what's funny is I remembered the movie just kind of being open on Max, um, family gets killed halfway through, car chase, he kills the bad guys, end of movie. And there's just that huge middle section with his um, with his partner that I t- completely forgot. Me too. And I, f- I didn't realize, you know, we paused the movie with 20 minutes to go and the wife and child were not dead yet. And I thought, what? I, I, I totally misremembered this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, uh, then they, the, I really liked how they, um, showed the death of the wife and child, which that's what I was going to say to the listener. They didn't show it. Uh They just showed like the, all the team on the motorcycle crew just like basically ran them over. But all you see is with the child's shoe being like flung up onto the road and his ball rolling up the road. Yeah. That's it. And I thought that was really good. Yeah, I, and I thought it was a respectable way to do it. Yeah. And it wasn't graphic. No. And, but it still hurts. I mean, it's, Yeah, you, you still don't... felt the weight of it, especially with Mel Gibson's reaction as well, which was very good. Yeah, and then he he's at the hospital, right, and they're trying to save his wife, but Yes, they're... and the son is definitely dead. Yeah. But the trying to save his wife, and you... I mean, you can't hear the dialogue's not that clear, but you can pretty much infer from what the doctors are talking about that she's not going to make it. Yeah. And that... Yeah. So, so then that sets him off to being not just Max, but Mad Max. That's when he gets mad. He yeah. the full most of this movie, hour thirty of this movie, it's Max. Then at the last ten minutes it's Mad Max, mm-hmm. baby. And I don't know why, but we humans love to watch revenge in movies because Well, especially when it's right like this feels righteous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that murdering's never okay. <laughs> it's never okay, but you know what I mean. Yeah. We know what we're talking about. But then, then he, um, well, there, the, uh, one thing too, they do that stunt where the bad guys are stealing gas from a tanker and the guy uses a pole to spring off of a hill and jump onto the top of the tanker, which in Fury Road, they use those crazy poles to jump on a tanker. Kind of For worked one cool. time, why not, why not do it again? Yeah. Um, but then we get to that point where he, um, he tracks down uh toe cutter and the the prisoner from the beginning of the movie and it takes him a little while he finds the prisoner first yeah and i don't remember it taking that long but he's yeah oh yeah and he gets he gets that fancy fancy car he gets the car from the beginning that we neglected to mention his friends were working on that sweet sweet black car that i mentioned earlier in the movie and i don't remember what it's called but boy is that car yes podcast but boy is that car cool yeah and he gets that and then he um he's driving and he like mows down those motorcyclists right and um there's that there's that shot where he he um makes a, a motorcycle guy crash on a bridge and two yeah. of them two of them oh, fly that's when the off guy gets the hit bridge in the head with a wheel yes and there is a stunt and whether you if you watch this movie you'll know what we're talking about if not just look up mad max um 1979 head wheel or something like that and this is a real stunt the guy was okay but it's a real stunt where this guy slides off a motorcycle and the tire of his motorcycle hits him in the head it is a he is wearing a helmet but that is it's nuts and it's in slow motion too so you're going this happened much faster than this oh yeah but um gosh i i was watching an interview with mel gibson um it was for one of the DVDs, you know, years later yeah. he recorded it and he was kind of saying how 
there were all these crazy stunts, and he just kind of let them do the stunts. He was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm Mel Gibson. You know? I got a lot of things to do after this movie. <laughs> so um, that stunt is crazy. But then then when he when he finds the, the guy, the prisoner for earlier in the movie, um, I, I just thought it was, I love the, how they, he found him. He finds like this truck flipped over off the side of the road. Oh, but before that is Toe Cutter. No, that's after. He finds that. Well, whatever. Can we just but talk, we'll, about we'll that? talk about that? So, um, there's this truck is flipped over. We don't know how it was flipped over. It's that's not important. I just like that it's already there and it's already happening. It's just right and in the middle of the And there's crap all over the place, yeah. which is cool. Which is just clear that this prisoner guy, the, we keep calling him the prisoner, but I don't remember his name. He's one of Toe Cutter's henchmen. He obviously caused this man to get into a car accident that killed him because there's this dead body and he's taking off his boots to steal his boots. And that's when oh, Mel that's Gibson right. finds him. And um, he handcuffs him to the truck and there's gasoline fault like um, leaking out of the truck really quickly. And the, he gives the guy a bone saw or not a bone saw. He just gives him a saw. And he's yeah, like, the, the truck has a bunch of tools in it. Yeah. And he's like, you have 10 minutes to probably get through the chain or five minutes to get through your ankle with the saw. And he puts a lighter right up next to the gasoline waiting for it to overflow. And he says, you have like... You have like six minutes before it blows, or something. Something, yeah, something along like those that. Lines. And, the, and thus, the guys. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, well, you go it's ahead. just, it's just. I just love things like that because the guys just like screaming at him, like you can't do this, you can't kill someone, and it's, those things are always just interesting to me, but also just infuriating because like this guy had been killing people or like torturing mm-hmm. people, and suddenly he has an opinion that you can't do those things. Yeah, because he's panicking and he's desperate. Um, but yeah. But thus. A franchise is born. Yeah. Because a man named James Wan and his writing partner, I don't remember who his writing partner is, see Mad Max and they see the scene where he gives this man an option to either chop off his leg or die. Um, And now we have Saw. Yeah. And they they have said that that's an actual like they saw this movie and then they were they thought of Saw. And then they thought. What if we actually showed that part for an hour and a half to two hours for like eight movies? Do you think people would like it? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, people. That, that That's started torture a big... porn is born. Yeah, it's funny because it's it's. And I'm um, not I'm not saying anything about the Saw movie's storyline. I'm not saying anything about the storyline. Mm-hmm. I am talking about the graphic violence. That's mm-hmm. the problem. I have still proudly never seen one of them. Good. And I am not interested in seeing it. I don't think we'll cover the Saw series, everybody. No, thanks. Um, but maybe maybe we'll do something with James Wan at some point. Well. Insidious. Someday when we do. Um, or Conjuring. When we do DC, we're going to have to. Oh, yeah. Okay, but Toe Cutter died before that? <laughs> yeah. T- remember, okay. he, he runs Toe Cutter down. Um, he's in a motorcycle and he's chasing him and his car catches up to him. And then a semi comes over the horizon and then Toe Cutter's eyes get really big. They do that bulge eye thing that's like so hard to look at, but so such a great effect. And then the semi hits him and drives all over the body and it like tumbles over the body. It's awesome. It's too real. This and and then he comes to that and then okay. um and then I think an osprey is sitting there and it like flies away and then it, that's the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And that's Mad Max nineteen seventy nine. Now, who would knew? Who would knew? And rather, who would know that this franchise would then go on to make three sequels, 
one of which happens with like 15 or 16 years in between. Actually, way more, almost 20 years in between. And that movie would go on to win, I think, seven Academy Awards. Crazy amount. Something, something like that. And just if I'm thinking back in my head, probably should have won Best Picture. I'm not sure. Yeah. And a movie that kind of is universally just everybody loves. And has spurred, that movie has created a pretty interesting theory that you have about Mad Max. But we'll get to that when we get to that movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's that's Mad Max. I think um, it, it's funny if you watch this movie just in an isolated incident, it, it seems like this is a one and done movie. Yes. It just seems like an interesting movie. And it also seems like a movie where if they went back and did a sequel, it would suck. Yeah. But no. But I think... It does get weird, though. I mean, and of course, yeah, I can't really spoil what we think on the sequel, but it it just like... it. <laughs> you could totally hear you say that on okay, there. Okay, well, I have to pee really bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll wrap it up. Um, next week is Mad I want to Max say one more 2. Thing, though. Oh, oh, we have to... Okay, before I forget, you're yeah. one, one more thing for me, one more thing for you. Um, The first time I saw the movie, we always talk oh, about yeah. that. Uh, this was a franchise that my dad introduced me to, and we watched the movie. Uh, we watched on like torrent site or something like that, and what? and he was you just stole? like, he was like, yeah, you gotta you gotta watch this movie. It's really cool, and he just said that, and then and then we went on to watch the others, which I'll talk about as we go, and then in anticipation for Fury Road, we watched. Um, I watched them all again, and then this is the third time I've seen it. Cool. So now, when was the first time you saw Mad Max? I was in college and you just told me to watch it. And I I think, I don't remember how you convinced, not, not like you needed, it took hard convincing me to watch a movie, but. Well, wasn't Fury Road going to come out that year? Probably, but you know, you were probably like, they're, if that was the case, you probably would have said something like, they're making a fourth movie of this three movie franchise that has Tom Hardy in it. And it's the other movies are crazy. You have to watch them. And I'm thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never even heard of it. And then mm-hmm. you said, this is one of Mel Gibson's first movie. And I said, hold right there. See you later. I'm going to go watch it. Um, well, and the funny thing is, I, I remember the first time I watched the series, um, just the first three, because Fury Road wasn't out yet. I I remember my takeaway was I really like the first movie and the other movies are kind of weird, but I don't love them. Right, me too. And then when I rewatched them all, I loved the second I, movie. I feel like I half watched the third one. I feel like I was doing something during during it, partly because it was so weird. The third one is weird. That it was really hard for me to follow. So I was just like, I'm just going to let it happen. Yeah. And I'm going to get something done. But um, I was going to say, listener... If if you haven't seen this franchise yet, if you've only just watched the first one and you're loving it, congratulations. Welcome to the club. Yeah. But if you've seen Mission Impossible 10 times and you just can't get enough of Tom Cruise, trust me, I don't blame you. But if you're like, I don't want to get tired of Mission Impossible, what do I watch? Watch Mad Max. It's a good stunt series. Yeah. Good stunt series. Yeah. So this is a this movie, this franchise is a break from all you Mission Impossible heads. <laughs> Um, yeah, so thank you for listening. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends. Um, and get, your mom. Yes. Well, hopefully your mom is your friend. And your and, dad. And uh, stay mad, everybody. Woo!